Hello, everybody, and welcome to Elm Town episode 31, Line Charts with Teresa today. Teresa, do you want to say hi? Hi, everyone. And I'm going to ask you, oh, of course, you're very (laughs) welcome. And I'm going to ask you about pronunciation and stuff in a minute after (laughs) I embarrass myself and after I list the sponsors who are day one, the company I work for, which is a beautiful journaling and life archiving Mac, uh, Mac app, Ack, uh. <laughs> in any case, it's a beautiful app for Mac and iOS and also for Android. And I'm working on some fun web stuff, um, just really enjoying enjoying the work there. I love day one, and a lot of people love it, and I hope that you might love it too if you try it out. And next but not least, that's not a thing that you say, but I said it anyway, is Daily Drip, which makes keeping up to date on programming skills easy. Daily Drip will save you a ton of time by providing quality lessons and resources for you right off the bat. Some of the topics include Elixir, Crystal, React Native, Go, HTML, and of course, Elm, which is good because this is the Elmtown podcast. Learn faster and more efficiently with Daily Drip, and you can be a better developer. Every weekday, you'll get a short video, about five minutes or so, delivers to your inbox. Sign up at dailydrip.com using the coupon code ELMTOWN-2018, all lowercase ELMTOWN-2018, and you'll get a 14-day free trial. Last but not least, that's the right way to say it, is Ellie, uh, Ellie Elm app. I don't know the right way to say that, but it's, <laughs> it's the Elm Live Editor which is a great way to get some quick examples going, some quick Elm examples going to show stuff to people on Slack when you need help or to just try something out. You can install packages from the Elm package repo. You can uh, write Elm code and see it executed directly in the browser. You don't even have to install anything. So Ellie is pretty sweet. It's only for small examples. It's not for full projects, but it, it definitely is a uh, huge help to the community and big thanks to Luke for making that as well. He did some really neat stuff. Next up, we have an announcement, a single announcement, uh, and contact me if you have more announcements that you want me to mention on the show. But I'm doing this self-serving announcement right now, which is I am helping to organize a framework summit in Park City, Utah on October 2nd and 3rd. And uh, there we will be talking about the different front-end frameworks that exist, not all of them, but many of them. And the idea is not to have a throwdown where people be antagonistic toward each other, but rather a helpful and friendly environment where uh, certain representatives for different frameworks like Angular, React, Elm, etc. will be there to to kind of help explain newcomers to understand what their frameworks do, why you would want to use them, et cetera, and just help attendees make an educated decision. So uh, that is open. Tickets are available for purchase, and also there is a call for proposals. So please go ahead, and if you are interested in coming to speak, go ahead and submit your your proposal there, and I'd love to see you in Park City. Woo, that was a lot of stuff. But lastly, big thank you to Fergus Meeklejohn who produced this episode and helps me so much with this podcast. I really appreciate it. Now, back to the very interesting stuff, which is Teresa. Teresa, (laughs) did I say your name like an American says your name? (laughs) Yes, but that is totally okay. How would I I say it like a non-American? So in Danish, you would say Teresa. I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a stab. You can tell me how well I do it. <laughs> yeah. Teresa, is that right? Yeah, that's Teresa. pretty good. Let's but try your last name. How's the last name go? Sokol. 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 You would say in Danish. Sokol. Sokol. <laughs> now I know that on Twitter you have like a diminutive version of the yeah, of your first exactly. name. 
So uh, my father's Czech. So my name is actually of Czech origin. And so in Czech, you would actually say Teresa. Or okay. as a kid, I would be called Tereska. Tereska. I like yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thanks for the lesson in uh, <laughs> world languages and etc. So that's great. But today we have you on because we want to talk about your shiny new package, very shiny new package <laughs> called Line Charts. So, oh, no, wait. But first I want to know, I want you to t- tell the audience a little bit about yourself because, I mean, I know you pretty well because I've met you a few times and we've spoken at conferences, etc. But um, why don't you tell listeners about yourself, where you come from, and uh, what you do? Yeah, so uh, as you've notice and my name is Teresa and uh, I am from Denmark more specifically in the north but I live in Copenhagen now uh, I have been programming for quite a while since I was a little kid because my father was also a software engineer and I just really enjoyed it I didn't really know that it was like for boys in quotation marks it's not, uh, <laughs> it's not it has been in the past but it's not <laughs> Yeah, but I didn't I didn't know anything about the stereotypes, so I just thought it was really fun. And when I found out about society and how there's stereotypes, I was like, everybody should try this out because it's really great. <laughs> um, and so, like, eventually, I I was supposed to study math actually, but then I got offered a job as a software engineer. Wait, what do you mean you were supposed to study math? Because I wanted to study math, but then I got interrupted by a job offer. <laughs> so, so you were like, this was like a self-imposed, you were supposed to study math. Yeah, like, exactly. Okay, you just, liked math. Okay. Yeah, I like math and I, I wanted to study it, but then I was like, I can always study later because I was really <laughs> excited about programming too. And so okay. in Denmark, education is like free and for everyone. So it is actually like that. So like you can just like be, it doesn't really matter when you do it. That's cool. Study. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, and it's, that was mostly like React stuff, actually. Uh, I was a huge fan of React. But then I found Elm, and I was like, this is even better. And I was really excited about it. Um, and when was that? What year was that? Um, it must have been like three, two years ago, maybe. Okay. So three, this two, is... Three years, yeah. You're self-taught and family taught then you're not uh didn't go to a boot camp or uh, no i okay, just cool. like uh i had a gap year after high school where i was uh learning some programming like web development to like just get like do small jobs and have money to live on um and then i just thought it was really fun and continue with it that's awesome is that when yeah. you got the job offer yeah exactly <laughs> okay very cool yeah I've considered going back to school, but I never really get around to it. There's so much fun stuff to do <laughs> and to just build. So. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is it is definitely getting to the point where it's kind of a hard argument to to push for too much yeah. higher education when there's when there are a lot of lucrative job offers available <laughs> for those who don't have it, you know? Yeah. So I mean, definitely understand that. Um, yeah. So your first kind of, uh, at least I think something that brought a lot of attention to your work was your Elm Plot library. Is that correct? Is that kind of the yes. first thing you put out there? It was uh, my very first open source project. So uh, that went well. Uh, at least people uh, ended up using it a lot. Uh, and I got a lot of good feedback and I learned a lot from it. 
Um, so, yeah, it sort of started out just because I there wasn't a plotting library when I first got started with Elm, and I really wanted to use it for work, and I needed a charting library for that. And then I was like, I guess I'm making a charting library now. <laughs> and uh, I started working on it, and it took me like half a year to get the first version out. And I was sort of shy about it at first, but then I had some really sweet friends from the JavaScript community, especially who was like really into open source, and they were like, oh, you should just, just publish it. And I did, and it was really cool. And I was really overwhelmed by all how nice people are with it, because I was really scared people was going to be like criticizing it a lot, but people were mm. super nice about it. Um, so yeah, that was really great. And that was with Elm Plot. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. So Elm li- uh, Line Charts, sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> Line Charts <laughs> is distinct from Elm Plot, but uh, so they're different packages. It's not like mm. the next version of Elm Plot. Is that right? Yeah, uh, that's true. They're pretty different. I mean, they do like two different things because Elm Plot was sort of like uh, an attempt to create a charting library that can just do everything. But as I sort of learned more about charts uh, and APIs for that matter, I realized that it might not make sense to put a lot of charts into one chart and it might actually be nicer to have them separate and to sort of encourage that separation. Uh, As well as by having separate packages, you can create more like accurate APIs, uh, which I found out and that's sort of like the root of why there are two different libraries and there is uh, a scatter library and a bar chart library coming on the way so as well not a pie chart library (laughs) no not a pie chart library (laughs) (laughs) i joke about that because (laughs) for those who weren't at ElmConf last year you gave a you gave a pretty awesome talk and i'm gonna put that in the show notes um about the the your your decisions going into your plotting libraries and why you chose not to include a pie chart and why you would choose (laughs) never to include a pie chart um, so yeah. I'll, I encourage listeners to go watch that. That was a really neat talk. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah, uh, that talk was, I had a lot of fun making it as well. <laughs> so then are you, with these new libraries, does Elm plot become deprecated? I mean, should people not pay attention to that anymore and look at your more specific um, libraries? Yeah, I mean, that's the... That's what I want in the long term, but right now there's still some features in the Unplot library which I haven't like replaced yet. So, right. okay. for example, like creating bar charts, there's I haven't created that library yet, and the same thing with scatters. Um, so you'll still need to use um, Plot for that or another library in the ecosystem until I finish. <laughs> so when you're saying that there's a more accurate API that you mm. can you can provide a more accurate API. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that like you kind of had a certain uniform API across your different Elm plot features, but what you what you do when you break it out with line charts, for example, is just allow a more like domain specific uh, more detail in your API that's more yeah. suited to just line charts. Is that right? Exactly. You put it very well. Um, yeah, so the old like Elm plot had like that scatters line charts and bar charts, like not exactly bar charts in the same API, but they were sort of separate, but in the same package, which might have been confusing as well. But for example, the axis 
um, configuration was basically the same, and they're not really the same. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of like, like you know, the if approach to APIs, and also like it just got really muddy somehow. And it's I think it's nice to just keep the APIs apart and sort of keep the learning experiences clean. So if Very you're trying cool. to uh, build a line chart, you'll only have line chart relevant information. No, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm actually looking at your sample page for line mm-hmm. charts. First thing, very cool color schemes, very modern and hip. <laughs> Thank I like you. it. Uh, second, I, I'm just curious. Like, I, I, this seems like an immense amount of work has gone into this. So, I'm curious: is this SVG? I mean, how much of this is just like your blood, sweat, and tears poured into <laughs> rendering this, or did you build on other people's work? Uh, no, this is all my own work, and it's made purely in Elm. So that's really exciting as well. Wow. Um, I mean, what is the what primitives does it render to? Is it it's not it DOM SVG. element? Oh, okay, it's cool. a SVG, yeah. Um, so, yeah, originally, like uh, in my in my work when I used to work with uh, charts for my actual work, not open source, uh, there we had to use some React uh, charting libraries, and in that, I sort of like had an experience of what it's like to use a charting library and learned a bunch about SRT stuff and trying to customize it I ran into a lot of blockers where I was like oh I wish this could be easier which was also a lot of the inspiration to uh, this library and so a lot of the things that I found difficult I tried to make easier in this library awesome I love that isn't that kind of the elm story like take something that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. hard to use and make it simpler yeah <laughs> yeah I uh I think I started working on this library in like just around just after um Europe, so like last June, something. So it okay. has been like like nine months or something. Wow. Uh, I haven't worked on it all the time, of course, because I have other. You have a job. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I have put a lot of thought into it, and I've learned so much from it. Well, can you tell us, maybe just give us like a 30-second pitch uh, as to what you can do with this library and why mm. and where you would want to use it for those who are just listening and haven't used it before? Cool, yeah. Um, so line charts can do many of the normal chart things that you would expect, like uh, draw lines and dots and different shapes and area charts and draw the axes and make nice numbers for you also if it's time uh i've tried to make the uh interactivity a lot easier or like easier than before in the previous versions but um just make it really smooth and so you can do dragging and clicking and hovering and all this stuff and making tooltips try to make that really nice uh and really make it customizable in many ways but at the same time i also wanted to try to make an api which um, attempts to make, like, prevent you from making some really uh, classic chart mistakes. And uh, those, like, that inspiration sort of came from a guy called Edward Tufty, who does a lot of uh, chart stuff. He's a professor at somewhere I don't remember, maybe Tufts. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, he does a lot of chart stuff, and he's written a really amazing book on charts called. Um, the 
visual representation of quantitative data, I think. Something it makes for some science. light reading, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, is a, it is actually light reading. It's, he's really funny. And cool. he sort of talks about like modernizing charts in a way like his core principle is sort of like the least <clears throat> having a, a good chart consists of the least amount of ink to the ratio of like the most amount of information. Interesting. So, which is um, what I try to do with this library as well. It's to sort of encourage you to pack as much information into the least amount of uh, elements and ink in, in quotation marks. Um, yes. So, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, they usually, I mean, I would say you can use it for uh, quite a few charts as well. There's a loophole in it, so uh, I try to, there's a way where you can just draw whatever you want and I don't restrict any of your creativity. Um, so you can use it for a lot of things that are unconventional as well. But I tried to keep it out of the main API uh, and okay. just collect it all in one spot where you can do whatever you want. Sounds like that's also what you could use just plain SVG for doing whatever yeah, you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's a there's a lot of like basic things um, uh, with the charting. Like basically, as you say, you can use plain SVG. But the thing that is difficult with a drawing chart stuff is that you have to get the coordinate system. Mm, and yeah. so I provide you with the coordinate system that is created from the ranges of your data and provide you some like trans uh, translating functions to translate from that uh, coordinate system into your own um, into SVG. So you can actually draw elements where you intend it to be based oh, on the cool. original or on the coordinate system that you see with the axes on your um, rendered plot. So my hope is that you'll make it a little easier to draw custom elements around a new chart. Um, but please let me know if it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Actually, the thing that I'm most intrigued by on this whole page, on your mm -hmm. sample page for line charts, is this displacement graph where on the left side you have a zoomed image of the mm. graph on the right side where you can drag uh -huh. over and zoom in on parts of the graph. That's super neat. Yeah. Is that kind of built in, or is that just you being like, "Hey, you could actually just do these two graphs this way too"? Yeah, so it's not it's not built in per se, but I try to make it very easy. So um, you can very easily obtain the mass position on your of like the position over which data point you're hovering over, and so if you keep that in your model and then you drag it and you pick up another mouse position, then you have those like uh, data points and you can just draw another chart with that range that I just realized that's really hard to understand without the code, but um, it's not built in, but it's made pretty easy. Uh, that's really so, cool. Yeah. I've tried to make sort of like keep it primitive still without like making too many built in features, but try to make uh, it flexible enough to cover a lot of features easily. I'm just mesmerized by this. I'm listening. I keep, <laughs> I keep dragging this back and forth. It's yeah, really that cool. That one, I've got a lot of compliments on that. <laughs> it's really fun to play with. 
<laughs> it is a lot of fun. So, for example, maybe you could collect data in your company about how much time you're spending on doing front end development and maybe like, you know, <laughs> fixing bugs that could be prevented by a type system. And then you could use line charts to make a graph of how much money you would save if you fixed these problems with them and then you could pitch it to the people with the pockets. Does that sound like a good use that of it? That sounds like a really great use of it. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So there's um, a nice uh, beginner's exercise for those who want to get into the library. Actually, that is very easy to do. Like, cause one of the things that I've been excited to do with the library is sort of create a very smooth learner learning experience. So or learning curve. So you can start with the very minimum of configuration, where you basically just have to specify what your x and y is, like how to get your data. And it just draws you a chart, and you don't have to do anything else. And like slowly, you Love can that. build in more configuration. So, yeah, that's way cool. <laughs> oh, and hey, I'm dragging it again. I'm dragging back and forth <laughs> on this graph. <laughs> just keep I'm watching actually, it. Actually, I'm looking at the same thing now. I'm also playing around with it. <laughs> <laughs> so. It- if you didn't actually want to do anything useful information-wise with the library, you could just create these draggy graphs <laughs> and you know, have a nice alternative to playing games on your phone. So that's good. <laughs> well, I think we've covered a lot of the stuff that I wanted to cover about the libraries. Um, unless, was there were there any particular technical challenges that were like, you know, you, the, the end boss battle that you had to fight <laughs> while you were making this library that you want to highlight for us and tell us um, about? So there was a few learnings that sort of like uh, I'm going to keep with me. It's like the like how to use modules really well in terms of like hiding configuration because the amount of configuration in this library is like enormous and it just got bigger and bigger. And oh, yeah, I'm sure. They got got really complicated with, like, sharing a lot of data structures across modules, and I ended up just keeping everything hidden behind uh, a union type um, for each module. And by keeping uh, pieces of the configuration uh, private to a module, it got a lot more flexible to edit around um, the internal stuff. And it just made everything a lot nicer. And so I That's can really a fantastic that. pattern. I love that <laughs> pattern. And yeah. uh, I think there are some articles written about that. If you want to um, Google for opaque types, I think is kind exactly, of what yeah. that's called. I can never remember that word, opaque. It's a beautiful opaque. word in English. <laughs> opaque. It's probably because it's it's probably actually French or something. Opaque. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize uh, <laughs> to any listeners who had to suffer through that. Um Great. So that, uh, what else? Um, so there's a kind of meta thing. So like when I started making this library, like it was after Unplot and in order to start a new library, I really felt like I had to cover all of the features that it came from the, and that wasn't Unplot at the moment. And I tried to do that, but at the same time, I also got really excited about other features and I just made them and like the scope of this project just exploded. Oh, it took yeah. a lot longer time than I had wanted it to. And so, like, I feel like now I've, like, truly learned, like, the importance of small iterations. <laughs> and, um, like, it's not that I didn't know it before. But so, like, in, in the Nordic countries, including Danish, there's two words for knowledge. 
Uh, one is called Vistam, and one is called Kunscape. And uh, Vistam really is relating to knowledge that you only know like abstractly and from like relating to um, visuals. But Kunscape has to do with like uh, what you can do with your hands and like what you really know. And I feel like I knew about iterations via Vistam, like something I knew abstractly, but maybe not like in my heart and in my hands. So I love I mean, that. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. That is, a, that's really, a, I wish we had different words for that in English yeah, because sometimes I miss it. Well, we say like in theory and in practice, um, like, oh yeah. yeah, that's theoretical knowledge versus practical knowledge, but it yeah, would be cool if they were just actual words for that. <laughs> that would be <laughs> wonderful. So maybe it's we'll just use point. your words. <laughs> yeah. Languages are for. So, okay. So that's, uh, that sounds like actually a recommendation and a lesson in disguise for listeners, which is, uh, if you think you know something, go try to work with it and then you'll find out how well you really know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, I've experienced that over and over again too. <laughs> so that transitions well into, I, I would like to know if you have any advice for beginners, not beginners to programming, but just to newcomers is, uh, I've been listening to the, the reason community talking reason is another language that I uh -huh. use too. And they, they like to use the term newcomers because uh, not everyone who's new to a language is a beginner. So that's, mm. uh, that's neat. So what would you say to just Elm newcomers? Any advice there? So I learned Elm from the tutorial, like uh, the one written by Evan. I thought it was really great. But uh, I feel like I really understand a lot of the Elm philosophy from watching Richard's talks, like Richard Feldman, especially like uh, Impossible States Made Impossible. I guess someone else has recommended it on this podcast before, but Only, it really I've, is I've recommended it like five times, yeah. <laughs> so that's really great. And um, look into like the opaque type stuff. It was really something that was really important for me to know. And like for me, I think one of the major learnings from working with Elm was that to like keep one data structure in each module, um, which also sort of comes together with the opaque type um, trick, and it just, for me, it made my code so much cleaner and easier to work with, and it creates a really nice namespace <laughs> for all your, for your API. Um, so yeah, that's, um, that's probably all I got. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, let's just dive right into the section of the very small section of the show that has become very small, which is the section about <laughs> about picks do you have any recommendations for for people any programming related uh, recommendations uh i actually was learning haskell recently and i read the book that's called uh learn you a haskell that's and a i thought that book. was really really great and like not at all as terrifying as people present haskell as <laughs> yeah and there's like it's like a lot of oh there was one thing so i work with hardy jones who does a lot of haskell stuff and, like, whenever I feel like a, a lot of, like, when people at my work would have conversations in Haskell, basically, where there's, like, talk about functors and applicators, and I was like, what is going on? Um, and then I just, like, one day he was talking about trying to explain it to me in, like, words, and then and then I was just, can you just write me, like, the type signature? And he did it, and I was like, oh, obviously, like, this is not hard. And, That's so cool. I love that. <laughs> and so, like... 
just looking at the type next signatures is like so helpful, especially for understanding like the whole monad situation. Definitely. Um, and that book and is really good as well. <laughs> which just the Learn Your Haskell or did yeah, another exactly. one? Yeah, yeah, the the Learn Your Haskell. That's such a funny book. It's really funny. <laughs> uh, I started reading it before I knew Elm and. It helps me get into functional programming. It mm. also gets really advanced really quickly. So, like, it goes from <laughs> really basic stuff into, like, all right, now you got the basics. Let's hit you with the, the truckload. <laughs> so I, I haven't read the whole book. I, I, hit, I hit a wall and put it down. But um, And then kind of discovered my own way to learn it through Elm. Yeah. Elm helped me a lot to learn about, to, to learn Haskell, actually. So probably coming from Elm, learning that, reading that book would be a lot more useful than what the way I did it. It's a yeah. hilarious book though. Totally <laughs> yeah. I think one of the surprising things about learning Haskell for me was that I sort of thought all functional programming language had was like Elm and that's just like not true. Yeah, very <laughs> much not true. very different. So, um, totally. That was very interesting to see other approaches to, to functional programming as well. Elm is certainly, I think I can probably safely say that it's the simplest language, <laughs> simplest functional programming language I've come across while still being powerful enough to do work in. You know, it's not it's not a, an experimental like toy language that's just has yeah. a few commands, but uh, it's really powerful enough to work in. But it's also very simple, which which is great because uh, even mm. though that has its own trade offs, it, it really does make it pretty easy to get started by comparison with maybe. Uh, certain other languages depending on your background um but, yeah. yeah there's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff there to talk about for sure mm-hmm. well any uh let's see is there any way would you are you comfortable with people getting in touch with you for mm-hmm. questions sure. etc and if so how can they do that oh uh, well you can add me on twitter or like write me on twitter uh, my Handle is T-E-R-E-Z-K underscore A. Perfect. And that Z for you Americans is Z. Yeah. <laughs> for those who, don't, who don't, aren't familiar with Z, I think we should say a Z anyway, but there you go. <laughs> but I can never tell the difference between the, like, C as in cats and C as in my name. Yeah, definitely, con- <laughs> definitely confusing. I like, I think Z is a good way to, to say it. Mm. We all do um, weird stuff, though. But yeah, I was like, anything relating to my libraries, you're welcome to contact me on GitHub. I think actually my email is public on my GitHub as well. I don't know okay. if that's a good idea, but you can I think find mine it might be. <laughs> it hasn't been abused yet, so we'll just see <laughs> yeah. how it goes. Same. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's uh, the podcast with with Teresa, and I'm gonna. I haven't done a very good job of like marketing the show to the listeners <laughs> i'm gonna start trying to do that so i mean i listen to other podcasts and they all say if you like the podcast then follow us and rate us on itunes and blah 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 <laughs> which i'll i'll let you fill that in but i'll <laughs> for yourself uh, we would love to be rated on itunes etc if you want uh to give us some attention but you can also follow the podcast account on twitter at elmtown podcast all one word uh, and feel free to send recommendations or questions or uh, whatever to us there. And if you like the show and want to show support, you can always visit our Patreon page and uh, show support with money. 
but that's also <laughs> not necessary. It's just a, an option. Um, that's it, everyone. Thanks for listening, and thank you so much for, for your time and your contributions, Teresa. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you, and thanks for inviting me. It was really fun. You are so welcome. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.